and gentlemen, welcome to The Eight. I hope you enjoyed that trivia. We are on part two of a series titled Seasons Greetings, and we'll kind of get to that later on, why it's called that, but I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. So I actually I just came back from Minnesota yesterday visiting uh, my brother-in-law, and uh, my brother-in-law's name is Bishoy, and he loves to build things. So he gives us like a tour of everything he's like making and building and all this good stuff, and he loves to get IKEA furniture. Raise your hand if you love IKEA furniture. Maybe I should raise your hand if you like already built IKEA furniture. Yeah, that's a lot better. So I, I don't have the patience for that stuff. I hate it. My wife loves to get all 4,800 pieces and build something from IKEA. I'm the exact opposite of that, so I hate it. But when you get stuff from IKEA, you get a box of literally thousands of pieces and everything is numbered and like there's nothing really written, it's all codes and all this kind of stuff. And you spend, you know, a day and a half putting, you know, a, you know, a $10 cabinet together and you, you try to build it together. And it gives you instructions, but have any of you come across where you're missing a bolt or a nail or something like that? And then you had to go through like troubleshoot or you end up Googling or watching a YouTube video of how to do it. So many of the instructions, that, at least for Ikea, you get it and they tell you how to build it and all the different bags and things that come in it to build your furniture. But they don't tell you how to fix it if you are missing a piece or you mess up on like point two A and you can't get to point eight because you messed up on point two. They never tell you how to fix it. They tell you how to build it but they do not tell you how to fix it if you are missing a piece or you screwed up earlier on. They never help, even in the troubleshoot area, like troubleshoot if you whatever, even for electronics, troubleshoot, even whatever is listed in troubleshooting doesn't really apply, at least for me, doesn't apply what I really messed up on. Like what my issue, the troubleshoot doesn't actually fix my issue. So we know how to build things, hopefully you're better than me, of liking building things like that and being a handyman, but we do not know how to fix it when an issue occurs. In the same way is true of relationships, marriage, outside of marriage, friendships, with extended family members in which we don't really like, maybe we can build a relationship with them and kind of begin with small talk. But once an issue becomes or someone says something inappropriate, somebody brings up the wrong thing at Thanksgiving and the conversation is just going south, maybe you've been there this week, we do not know how to fix relationships. Kind of people end up on different sides of the table. We try to avoid sitting with that person. We try to avoid talking about politics. We try to avoid talking about those sensitive things to avoid any issues. And now there is a wedge. There is tension in a relationship, in a friendship, with a family member, with a coworker. And we do not know how to fix it. Hence, we are in part two of a series, Seasons Greetings, Relationship Management 101. And I wanted to be intentional about doing this series during Christmas, because like, let's face it, like Christmas is nice. We kind of see like family, people we haven't seen in a while, especially because of COVID and things like that. We see them and like maybe we try to avoid certain type of conversations. There are some issues in some relationships, in some friendships, which is so hard to fix, maybe because we do not know how to fix. We can begin, but we, ne we don't necessarily know how to fix certain friendships or relationships. And you can, hopefully you agree on this. I think you do. The health of our relationships is a one-to-one -one correlation to our holistic health. The health of our relationships is a one-to-one -one correlation to our holistic health. Like if we look at the totality of our health, physical, emotional, mental, we look at every aspect of our health, there's almost a one-to-one -one correlation by the health of our relationships. If we have grudges, a bitterness, maybe even a hatred towards certain people of certain relationships, there's a one-to-one -one correlation of that reflecting on other aspects of our health. 
But if we go the extra mile of trying to fix and heal certain relationships, we see it, it, it impacting our holistic health. There's almost a one-to-one -one correlation. I think many of us have experienced that. When there is an issue in our relationships or in our family, it impacts our health, it impacts our emotional health, impacts our mental health, it definitely impacts our spiritual health. So broken relationships take a toll on us. This is why, rewind 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a big, big, big point of reconciling with one another, reconnecting with one another. He says, cool, you have your own view of what reconnection is, super. You have your own view of what love is. I'm here to elevate that ethic. I'm here to elevate that bar. Not your own view, not for you to say, well, I've done everything possible, that's on him, that's on her. I've, that, that, you know, that I've done everything possible, that's on you. Maybe, th that, maybe that's our reflex, is to say, I've done everything possible. But then Jesus comes to elevate that, which was so radical, so counter-cultural counter for him to keep on elevating that. And Jesus even made it extremely clear. You're nice to those who are nice to you. You talk to those in your family that are, that are the same as you are nice to you. whoop de do. Good for you. But if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be all into being a follower of Jesus, then you have to elevate that bar. If you look at the first few decades, just the first few decades of Christianity, something that was integral to, to followers of Jesus, maybe those who were converted from a different religion or those converted from Judaism to now being all into Jesus. What was integral is them celebrating the divine liturgy, celebrating the Eucharist. And as they would come together, they would celebrate something titled the prayer of reconciliation. And this was first recorded by a philosopher who then became a convert to Christianity by the name of St. Justin, St. Justin the Martyr. And he made a big deal about the prayer of reconciliation. If we're going to come together, with our issues and pain and struggles and, and, and tension and, and grudge or bitterness that we have toward others, if we're gonna come together and pursue the God-man, if this is our pursuit, if this is what we're trying to aim for, then we have to reconcile with one another. If our goal is this vertical relationship, it is a one-to-one -one correlation to our horizontal relationships. So the prayer of reconciliation was embedded into ancient communal prayers even embedded in the Lord's Prayer, a template prayer that which Jesus gave, but we'll talk about that another week. But the prayer of reconciliation was an integral part to communal liturgical Eucharistic prayer. And this is why that's the very first prayer that we pray 2,000 years later, is that we are coming to reconcile not only with us and God, but us with others. This is why a, 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 a kind of, you don't greet people like this outside, but what we do liturgically as we greet each other by putting our hands together with those around us to capture that expression, for us to be able to express that, for us to reconcile with one another before we can move forward in celebrating the rest. Even the ancient text in which we pray and our pre-denominational church, we pray these. This is written by somebody named St. Gregory. The oneness of heart, may it take root in us. We're wanting to have oneness of heart. I promise you. Many of you, I don't know personally, but I promise you, I could put money that there are people in your lives you want to have oneness of heart with them. You want to reconnect with them. You feel like you've done everything possible to, and you've gone out of your way to reconnect with that person. But the oneness of heart, Lord, may it take root in us. Let this be our drive, our agenda, our push. Let this be our ethic as us being interested in who Jesus is. The oneness of heart, may it take root in us. Something we pray uh, also in liturgy. This is written by St. Basil. May we become one body and one spirit. A prayer of reconciliation. Maybe, may we be become one body and one spirit. There is a prayer of oneness, wholeness. So we come together with our brokenness, liturgically, for us to be made one 
And then we come and partake of the one. And he is broken for many. Are you with me? We come broken as individuals. Communally, we come as one to partake of the one who broke himself for many. You with me? It's kind of poetic. You with me? Okay. So if this was essential for the first century church, it's not just like, yeah, we come to church and we greet one another and yeah, we should be nice to those and sure, I'll greet you and, and then we distance ourselves from others. If this was an integral push that made the followers of Jesus uncomfortable in the first century, it should continue to make us uncomfortable in the 21st century. But we fight a reflex of saying, I've done everything I can, that's on him, that's on her, I've done my part. If she wants to come and reconcile with me, she has to do something. If, she wants, if he wants to connect with me, he better text me first, right? We come, up with, we come up with that narrative and put the push on others. And as a recap from last week, we looked at a, a, a Jewish terrorist who became a missionary, a follower of Jesus by the name of St. Paul. So St. Paul said this to a, to a group of recent converts to Christianity in the city of Philippi. He told them this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset, like be all into who he is. If you're wanting to follow him, don't just do it like a la carte, a little bit of him there, what's convenient, but if it's inconvenient, I'm not gonna do it. We pick and choose how much we want to follow Jesus. But in your, in St. Paul is telling these recent converts, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. By the way, just your Coptic trivia for the day, this verse is embedded into the hymnology of our church, even on Good Friday, when we chant one of those 10, 12 minute hymns, like we chant the, 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 the Pauline epistle, or we, we chant a part of, the, of scripture, and this verse is, is, uh, is chanted to bring emphasis for us to have the same mindset with so the church throughout the centuries, especially in the Alexandrian tradition, the Coptic tradition, we embed this, we push this for us to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And I left you with this question last week. What's stopping you from trying? What's stopping you from trying to reconnect with that person? Like really, what's stopping you? You read this question, your first thing is, what's stopping me is because he did this. Okay, fine, get all that out of the way. For real, what's stopping you from trying? And I left you with this question. If our goal is to reconcile, is to reconnect, let's start with the etymology of the word. Like the word, if you break down the word reconcile, re means like again, conciliare, like to consolidate, is to come into agreement. But many of us, when we try to reconnect with someone, we try once, we do the re part, we say, I'm done, I've done my part. We do it once, we did the re, we did it by ourselves. And, and we forget, we say like, I'm trying to bring it into agreement, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this person see the way I see things, right? We try to convince the other person to see the way we think, see things, right? If the, I mean, that's, that's the big part of, of marriage issues or even any relationship. I want her to see, the, say, see things the way I see. I want her to agree with the way I look at things. And we try to push and push our agenda on others. But we talked about last week, our goal is not to change others. The goal, that, that's not, that shouldn't be our agenda, is to change others. If you're doing that, you're putting an agenda on someone else. You do not like it when someone puts an agenda on you. You don't like when someone, so don't push an agenda on someone else. But we should ask ourselves, what is in our capacity to do to reconcile? Why? This is our ethic if we are interested in following and leaning toward Jesus.
So Jesus made it extremely clear. St. Paul added some more handles to that by saying, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Okay, cool. How do I do this? So I want us, uh, I hope you agree, but I want us to get to a point of understanding decision number one. How are we going to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus? How are we going to push ourselves to reconnect with others if this is what you and I are trying to push ourselves toward if we are interested in Jesus? And I say this disclaimer all the time. If you are not all in right now to Jesus, I totally get it. If you're here trying to like, trying to, you know, gauge where you are with Jesus, totally fine. You do not have to buy into this. But if you're trying to realign your life with Jesus, if you're trying to find the fullness of life, then we have to embrace these uncomfortable questions and conversations in order for us to reconnect with others. So decision number one is this for this week. Focus on the who, not the thing. Focus on the who, not the thing. And this is why for the next 10 minutes, I want us to kind of break that down. Sometimes we focus on the thing, the thing we've been arguing about, the thing we argued about last night, and we're continuing it to today, and I have all my four points ready for us to continue to talk about the thing, because I'm gonna make sure that my points are addressed about the thing, so I can make sure that he or she understands my thing. I don't care about the who, but I wanna make sure my thing is addressed and made super clear. I don't care about what she says or he says, I'm talking about the thing. So we, so, we focus so much about the thing that we lose sight of the who. So we need to reorder that, focus on the who and not the thing. And to add more handles to this, I want us to look at what St. Paul wrote to the city of Rome, another group of recent converts to Christianity. And Jesus, sorry, St. Paul told him this, love must be sincere. It's got to be authentic. It has to be genuine. Don't just, don't just love ya. No, it has to be genuine. It has to be authentic. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Sometimes, at least for me, you grow up and you say, hate, you don't say that word. Hate is a bad word, you don't say hate. St. Paul is saying, no, hate, you need to hate. You need to determine what you're gonna hate. But hate the right thing. Don't hate the, the who. Like, you need to, don't hate the who. Hate the tension that is existing. Hate the unhealthy, toxic relationship. Hate that there is a wedge between you and that person. Hate that. But don't hate the person. So hate what is evil, not who is evil. Hate that there is pride, animosity, bitterness, grudge, holding on to the past. There's something you need, you're holding on to. That is what you need to hate, not the who. So St. Paul is making it clear to the city of Rome to, as, they're reading this, as they're reading this epistle, this letter. Hate what is evil. Hate what happened. Now I may apply this to you. Hate what happened between you and that person. But don't hate the person. Refocus where your hatred is going toward. It, you know, there's things that we hate, okay? Let's be real, okay? There's things that we hate. But sometimes that hatred goes toward a person as opposed to the thing or to what happened. So we need to reorient and push hatred toward the right bucket. We need to hate the, what happened, not necessarily the person. So we need to reallocate hatred toward the right thing. We need to be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. What does this mean, to be devoted to one another in love? Do not try to fix the other person. Be devoted to be an active listener to the other person, to hear them out. Ask the right questions. Be strategic and intentional, but asking the right question. 
Don't try to fix the person, but hear them out. So be devoted to one another in love. So what does love look like? How has that become incarnational? How has it become tangible? Meet them where they are by asking the right questions to hear them out. Parents, this is applicable to the relationship with our kids. Adults, this is true for other adults maybe you hate. We need to reallocate our hatred and we need to hear them out and meet them where they are. Don't fix the problem. Don't fix the person, but hear them out. He continues, St. Paul continues. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So he's saying, honor one another above yourselves. So how are you elevating, esteeming the other person? Are you being intentional about compliments, of honoring, of, of, of honoring the person next to you? Are you elevating them by the way you talk, by the way you honor, by the way you serve them? So he's pushing a, a, a countercultural ethic. St. Paul's trying to push them. For us to have the mindset of Christ, we need to honor one another above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So he's like, don't make it a one-time thing. No, continue to have that fervor, to be like, I did my part, I served, I donated, I did this at church, or I helped that annoying person at work. No, continue that spiritual fervor. Know that these are spiritual exercises that help you grow. Apply this to marriage. It's not like, oh, I did my part, now it's him to do his. No, continue, continue to, above, to serve or honor one another above yourselves. What I want to share with you, I want to share with you the words of a fourth century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom. I love these words. I didn't want to put on the text because I want you to digest this more by, my, by me saying the words. This is what St. John, a fourth century bishop, this is what he had to say. Love by itself is not enough. Love by itself is not enough. There must be zeal as well. For zeal also comes out of loving and giving it warmth so that the one confirms the other. So what is St. John saying? Don't, don't just say, I, I, you know, I love you or I did this one thing, so that shows my love. No, it needs to have zeal. It's not, it's not just a sprint. I did it. I love. See, I show my love. Now it's your turn. No, it's a marathon. C connect it with zeal. For there are many who have love in their mind, but who do not stretch out their hand. This is why Paul calls on every means he knows to build up love. Again, I want to highlight what St. John Chrysostom is saying. For there are many who have love in their mind, but who do not stretch out their hand. Is everyone loving? Yes. Everyone has a kind heart? Yes. Everyone is nice? Yes. Is he a good person? Yes. Is she a good person? Yes. Many people have love in their heart, but to, to go that extra mile, to stretch out your hand, that's a different story. And St. John calls us out on that. St. Paul continues. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I love that. He's not saying just be hospitable. No, practice it. Even if you don't feel like it, do it. He's saying it's not based off your emotion, if you feel it or not. There's a lot of things. Come on, those who are married. There's a lot of, I'll speak for myself, maybe you're better than me. There's a lot of, I don't feel like doing a lot of things in marriage. But who cares about how I feel? If I signed up for the sacrament of union, of oneness, i got to do it. So I have to practice. I have to put it into action. It's not what I feel is right, what's best. i, I got to do what's needed for our marriage. So be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Next part. This is critical. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Here is a big red flag for you and me. 
if you get happy for those who suffer, that's a red flag. If you get happy when that person, something bad happens to that person, and inside of you, you know that little part of you is like, see, what comes around, goes around. He deserves that. She deserves that. That little part of you, this part is what we need. Like, that should be a red flag within us, that there is something toxic within our heart. That little part of us, that we get happy when we see someone else struggle or suffer, something we got to check. And he's saying that. St. Paul's calling this out. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It's like, if you see someone happy, don't, don't, don't fight that little thing inside of you saying, see, I'm glad he, des- he deserves that. She deserves that. See, sure for the benefit, he made him come and say, because God made this happen. No. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Do you know what's interesting? Historically, m- many historians would say, St. Paul never met the people of Rome, met these recent converts. He never met them. So for, so for, for St. Paul to push them to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, Bless those who persecute you. He, he's, he's saying, I'm sure when they were reading this, you're like, but you don't know my story. Maybe you were reading this, and you're saying, well, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she did to me. You do not know my past. So it's easy for you to talk about it very casually. It's easier for St. Paul to say these words centuries ago, but you don't know my story. St. Paul doesn't know their story either, but he's pushing them to a higher bar of blessing those who persecute you. Honor those who even above yourself, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. He continues. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, right? I mean, think about it. Isn't that the root of so much, so many issues? Is pride? Do not be conceited. We feel like I don't, I'm not listening to what that person has to say because I, I want to say what I want to say. And he better listen. She better listen. I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to say what I want. So you better hear me out. Right? We kind of zone out with that other person saying, why? Where is that coming from? Where is that coming from? That I'm, I have the right way. I don't care what you way. I need you to be convinced of what I'm saying. Where is that coming from? It's coming from pride. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Meet people where they are. My love language for you might be different than you and vice versa. Your love language toward one kid might be different than another. What works for one might not work for the other, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Meet them where they are and reconnect with them and which reconnects with their personality, with their love language. But going to the top, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. This reminded me of a, of a, a monk in the early centuries by the name of St. Moses the Strong or St. Moses the Ethiopian. And he was, his story is super fascinating because he was a gangster and he was actually running away from another gang trying to attack him and he ends up running into a monastery in Egypt. So he runs into a monastery and as he continues to grow, his struggle, his, his, what he writes is, is very powerful as far as his struggle as, as him growing toward Christ. And he did this thing every single night where at, outside the cell or like apartment of each monk, in the middle of the night, he would fill up water jars and leave it outside the cell of each monk. Not, didn't care about their status, you know, who they were. He would do it without expecting anything in return, and nobody knew for years that he was doing this. You and I hear that story, and like, okay, great, he gave them water. It doesn't mean much to us. But if you understand the, the, the culture and the environment of, of what St. Moses is doing, that he didn't have to. 
but he met people where they were and gave them and pushed unconditional love toward others without expecting anything in return. And that stuck out to me when I read this verse. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It is human nature to get back at someone. It's human nature, a reflex, because of our brokenness, we wanna get back at that person. He did this, she did that to me years ago, she texted me that, so I wanna get back at this person. It's a, it's a reflex, it's a sick part of us, to be honest, but we, we naturally push that way. But let's not fall into the trap of getting back at someone, let's focus on the who. Again, our decision for today. Don't focus on the who, not the thing. Sometimes we get lost on the thing. Why? Because of our pride. I'm gonna make my point clear because of that thing, because of that issue. But our focus should be the who. Why? Because the who was beautifully made and threaded by God for an intentional purpose with unique personality. So our focus should be on the who, not the what. We need to reorder that. Why? Because our reflex, our natural go-to thing, is to focus on the thing and to get back at someone as opposed to focusing on the who. Prayer is such a broad term, and it, and it is expressed and communicated in so many different ways, especially in the ancient Orthodox Church. And one version of prayer is titled an arrow prayer, an arrow prayer. An arrow prayer could be, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. An arrow prayer could be, Lord, I want to be a light to this annoying person today. Lord, give me patience to bite my tongue before I say something I will regret. These are small arrow prayers. So I want us to focus on this arrow prayer as we focus on decision number one, which is to focus on the who and not instead of the thing. I want us to focus on this arrow prayer. God, Father, help me to see, you fill in the blank, help me to see this annoying person the way that you see him or her. Father, help me to see this person the way that you do. Help me to feel toward this person the way that you feel. Help me to feel toward this person the way that you feel. Help me to see this person the way that you see this person. And that begins of you knowing how your heavenly father sees yourself. If you embrace the reality of God seeing you as royalty, as a beautiful icon of him, beautifully threaded together with a unique personality and gifts and resources, if you see yourself as that, then this is how God sees that annoying person in your life as well. So let this be our focus as we focus on decision number one for this week. Father, help me to see person X the way that you do. Help me to feel toward this person the way that you feel. Like our Heavenly Father, his heart breaks when he sees us struggle or when he sees pride get the best of us, when we see anger get the best of us, or when he sees lust get the best of us. But we want to, 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 to focus on this arrow prayer. It's four seconds, it's a four second prayer. Imagine the power if this becomes a rhythmic prayer every time we have to deal with that annoying person. Father, help me to see this person the way you do. Lord, help me to feel toward this person the way you feel. Let this be our focus as we focus on this decision. If, if we are wanting to greet people in this season, who maybe are nothing like us, that we try to avoid at all costs. If you are not all into following Jesus, you can, annoy that, you can ignore that person. 
But if we're wanting to become more into the image of who we are designed to be, then it requires us to be a little bit uncomfortable and for us to pray this and to focus on the who as opposed to the thing. Let us stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, our reflex, our selfishness, our brokenness naturally puts up walls to block us from that annoying person or from the pain of that past relationship. But Lord, we cannot change those around us, but we can change our heart. There are factors which are out of our control, but what is in our control is, is for our heart to be cleansed through you, for our heart to be like your heart, for us to meet people where they are, for us to have the mindset of you. Lord, I pray that we do not just passively pursue you, but embrace the tension and uncomfortable conversations in family settings, in friend settings, at work, wherever it may be. For us to put down our pride, put down that barrier, that wall that's preventing us from greeting or reconnecting or reconciling with others. But for us to do our part, which and we know that you can equip us to do this if we have our eyes on you. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Before we all leave, one quick announcement, and we'll have the aid as normal next week, but on December 12th, Santa Claus is coming to town. So Santa Claus is going to come here, and we're going to set up a professional photo booth. I want to make that clear just in case you like to take pictures with Santa at the mall or whatever. Santa's coming here, so we'll, we'll have that in two weeks on December 12th here at church. Have a great week, everybody.